Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you, our family out of Bettendorf, those joining us online, and all of you here at Rock Island. It's great to be back after a bit of family vacation. I hope your New Year is off to a great start and you're holding true to your New Year's resolutions. We're in week two of our Simplify series. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. Put your thumb in there and hold. We'll get there shortly. It's going to be in your note guide as well as on the screen. But before we get started, I would like to take a moment and pray and just ask God to lead us in this time. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, as we quiet ourselves before you, we invite you to speak. We invite you to fill the spaces where your people are gathered. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And may we encounter you. And may we leave here changed. So Lord, we give you this time and ask for your Holy Spirit to lead and direct everything we say and do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, life can be busy, right? It, so easily can be, our life can be filled to overflowing with commitments and obligations. There, there's always someone to see, some place to go, and something to do. We, we get up, we get ready, we get going, we, we go to work, we exercise, we play, we maybe catch a little entertainment around TV or a movie. We gather as the church. We may even have some sections of time that are just for us and what we might need. And we have a system and a routine and a pattern that we follow to help, help, just help keep sanity in the midst of all of that complexity for us. But even then, in the midst of that busyness, we can still feel like we're just barely hanging on. Just overwhelmed, overburdened, tired, worn out, just trying to survive. And it's in that moment we think like there's only two options. We can either just continue to get more exhausted or we can continue to get further behind. Take your pick. But the reality is that in that complexity, life truly is busy. It's busy, it's complex. And if we don't have a very clear or consistent plan of how we navigate that, as the speed of life just gets further and faster ahead of us, we get overwhelmed in that busyness. But being busy is not the same as being productive. It can be hectic in life and still be okay. But it can be hectic and unhealthy, and when it's unhealthy, that's where we get to the point where we just wonder why we're doing what we're doing. Want to throw in the towel? You just experience enough pain or disappointment or challenge or hardship, you're like, oh man, why? And we think we just want to quit. When in reality, all we really need to do is simplify. Just simplify. See, last week, Justin helped us kick off this series by looking at how to, to know our what means we need to embrace our why. Uh, it's really talking in terms of understanding what some people would call our white hot why. Our white hot why. White hot why. Our what? Very good, good. So you paid attention last week. That's great. But listen, that white hot why is that thing that, you know, that we're our purpose, the reason we exist, what we're created for, what we're going to spend our life for. And a guy named Simon Sinek gave a presentation one time in the context of business where he put a sequence to our why. And what he said is that our why should determine our how, which should determine our what. And it shouldn't work the other way. It should really go this way. But too many people start with what they're doing to determine how to know what their why really is, even business and in life. But he said, look, you got to know your why so you can know your how so you can then know your what. If we don't engage in that sequence, there are so many what's out here, we get overwhelmed. And it starts to blur 
our why. Now, this starts to remind me of what we've talked about in our being leading to doing, that who we are should determine what we do. And when we don't understand our why, we don't have that clear, then this out here gets really, really fuzzy, and we can find ourselves burned out. We, the what's start to overwhelm us. Because the deal is that it is our why that determines our what. And that's your first film if you're following along in the note guide. Our why defines our what. Who we are, our being, leads to our doing. Now, we need to know our white-hot why so that we can live fully into our purposes. It positions us to know who we are, to know what we do, so we can manage time and talent and treasure, we can manage our opportunities, we can op work through abilities and resources, but when we don't know, or when we do the wrong what's, we don't know the right what's, the ones on the outside extreme, then we do the wrong ones, we don't have the room or space to do the right ones, and we miss the opportunity to engage the right what's, the right do's out of who we are, and we end up too busy to do good which is often frustrating and irritating. And we end up in a chaotic, draining cycle that leads us to crash. We make poor decisions, and we try to cope and hang on, trying just to avoid burnout. Now, I want to be really clear that this Simplify series is not about being comfortable, but rather about being intentional. It has an element of stewardship to it, of being a good steward of, of things like time, knowing how to engage time, not letting time be the driving factor in our life. I think there are many people that time drives everything, when in reality, the why, the purpose for who we are, should drive what we do. And time should fit into that because obviously we work in a context of time. But in order for us to experience that, we really need to simplify. But that can be harder than we think. Going simple can be harder than going complex because it requires focus. It requires saying no, saying no to the things that will distract us from our primary task. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on the first couple verses of our scripture for today. This is Luke 10, starting at verse 38. I want you to solely focus on and read through these words uh, from right now until I tell you stop, okay? Now, here's the thing with any Bible study-focused interaction. It's important to have eyes to see and ears to hear. You want to look at Scripture, and you want to observe it, what, you want to observe what it's saying, then you want to interpret what it means, and then you want to apply it to your life. And so there's a very healthy observe, interpret, apply method of studying Scripture, and it makes sense. Are you with me so far? Okay, now if you haven't finished reading and focusing on these words, and I successfully distracted you from that task, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Okay, who here read and didn't pay attention to me at all? Who here never pays attention to anything I say? Okay, good. All right, listen. Uh, I do this because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy for us to do it accidentally or have someone do it on purpose with us. We can't live focused on the best things if we're willing to be distracted by lesser things. And that's where the heart of Simplify and knowing the white-hot why comes into the equation. Yet, when, when we can focus, when we focus our heart and our mind in our life on the white-hot why that God has for us, well, then we know what to do. We know the what and the how out of the why. But that's because the right what's connect to the why. They come from the why. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at Luke 10 for real this time. I want you to grab your Bibles, or you can look up here on the screen or follow your note guide. 
Uh, this is a section of scripture written by a physician whose name was Luke. He wrote the entire book of, of Luke. And he's describing a moment or occasion where Jesus was engaged in public ministry. He was moving along and he stops in a village. And he encounters uh, a woman who opens her house to him. And in this exchange, we see the value of knowing our white hot why. But we also can see that being busy is not the same as being productive. So let's take a look at this scripture starting with verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Whose home? Hers. She owned the home. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. All right, so in these few verses, we see that Martha is overwhelmed. She's invited a house guest in with all the to-dos, all the what's before her. She's lost her focus on the most important things, the better thing, as Jesus called it. And she blows up. She lashes out, actually at the source of her why, Jesus, and blames her sister, when in reality it was her own choices that led to her predicament. And ultimately, Jesus points that out, points out that Mary chose what he called better. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out as we look at this scripture. What happens to Martha happens to us too. Our choices can lead to blow up and burn out. God has given us great capacity to do many things. And some of us are even exceptional multitaskers. We even seem to thrive in that high-paced environment. It's a strength. But our greatest strengths can become our greatest liabilities whenever we leave them unguarded. And I have been there in that, and many of you may have also likely done that. And, and here we, we need in those moments, like Jesus says, Martha, Martha, we need him to say, Sean, Sean, and to slow us down and refocus us. Now, from what we understand from Mary and Martha both, Martha seems like a very strong woman of action. Man, she gets stuff done. And in this situation, her activity becomes a liability. In another point of, of Scripture, it's around the death of Lazarus. Her, her strength of, of action is actually a strength and not a liability. But here's the point to take of this, is that even a person of action needs to know when to slow down and needs to set aside time to be with Jesus. It may not be easy for a person of action to do that, but it's necessary. Because regardless of our personality or our proclivities, Simplicity is developed in stillness, not busyness. Simplicity is developed in stillness, not busyness. Now, when it comes to the things of God, this is incredibly important because intimacy is developed at the pace of a walk, not a run. Yet, yet too many of us, I think, are running so fast through life, we're running at a sprint that we can't develop the intimacy we need to survive, let alone thrive. That's one reason why the Lord says, uh, Psalm 46.10, he says, be still and know that I am God. Too many of us are running so fast, we don't have stillness, that we don't have the intimacy to survive the complexities of life. And when it comes to the things of God, worry and rush are always wrong. There's always time for him. 
And we need to live in a manner where we have a quiet time, where we have that stillness with God, no matter the noise or the complexity of the time that we have in this world may be. Now, I understand we can't drop everything. Like, we can't just stop things. There are things we just absolutely just have to do, stuff that needs to get done. You need to feed people. We need to clean the house. But worry is pointless in that. In fact, if you struggle with worry, I'd encourage you to spend some time reading what Jesus says just two chapters after Luke 10, starting around verse 22, where he just starts to unpack the role of worry in the life of those who follow him. I think you might find it helpful. But today, we're focused on what Martha did in these few verses. And I actually wonder, I don't know how valuable it is, but I wonder what Martha did after that. I wonder if she sat down in stillness, or if she tried to argue about it, or if she stomped off in a huff. I wonder what she did. I hope she sat, because simplicity and intimacy is developed in stillness, not busyness. Now, I have to be honest with you. In some respects, I feel uh, underqualified, even borderline disqualified to preach a message about this. Um, I always want to be, um, I always want to maintain integrity and, and preach and teach things that I am living. And, and I just want to be clear that I come to you as someone who is not perfect in this area. Uh, I have struggled in this area. My time is incredibly complex, and I don't have this all figured out. And I'm quite well-versed in being worn out and being too busy, being crushed by the weight of things in this world. And as someone who served in the military, as an army officer who served uh, as a trooper, um, who's been a pastor for many years, I have experiences in this area from different perspectives, not just from ministry. And so I speak to you not as someone who has observed this and diagnosed it from afar, but actually someone who's faltered in it, who's let the complexity overtake me and burn me out. I've been to places where I've wanted to just quit in my life, just many times just quit in the journey, just being so exhausted. I just wanted it to be done. I've often been tired even before the day starts, even when I wake up. And I've been tempted to throw in the towel on fighting the good fight that that I truly believe in, crying out to God to do a new work in me, to, to renew my strength, as he describes in Isaiah. So... This subject has been a place of struggle for me, and I I know many of others of you as as well. But I also know that a life of relevance will always bring heat and challenge, and the heat and challenge of complexity. And we need to know how to deal with that speed and that pressure and that heat as we live meaningfully. I I wanna show you something. This is a picture of a Bugatti Veyron. Ooh, yes. It's pretty, pretty sweet looking. It is uh, considered to be the fastest street legal production car in the world. And it not only just has good looks, it's, it's much more than that. Let me just give you a few details about this car. Its top speed is 254 miles per hour. In the super sport version of it, that's almost 268 miles an hour that it can hit. But in the, the basic version, it's 254. The base price of this vehicle, though, is 1.7 million. So you pay for that speed. <laughs> Beyond that, it has 16 cylinders, four turbochargers, and it creates 1,001 horsepower. That's a lot of horsepower, and that's a lot of heat. In fact, this car sucks in as much air in one minute that the you and I breathe in four days. That's, a, that's incredible. Now, beyond that, its tires are worn out in 15 minutes. So if you're going 254 miles an hour, at 63 miles, your tires are done. 
But the problem is it will never do that because it runs out of fuel in 12 minutes, three minutes before the tires run out. This is a crazy car. But listen, most cars have one radiator, right? What's the purpose of the radiator? Cooling, right? To dissipate the heat, diffuse the heat, right? The, the, the Veyron, count them, has 10. 10 radiators. Listen. If you're a gearhead, this stuff stirs you up. You're like, oh, this is cool. This is exciting. If you're not a gearhead, you're like, no, no, no. But regardless of how much you care about cars or not, there's a really incredible, important point for us that this illustrates. The moment things go faster, things get hotter. Getting more done doesn't mean better. Faster doesn't always make us better. Complexity means heat. F faster increases intensity. It means we will live with more heat. And what we learn from the Veyron is that we need cooling systems in our life or we burn out and we blow up. We blow up like Martha. And that's important because our white hot why drives us. It compels us. It pushes us. It motivates us. It energizes us. But it requires a cooling system. It requires things that relieve pressure, that dissipate heat, that, that channel criticism, that filter forces that are influencing us. Those radiators are quiet times and key relationships and community. It's a Sabbath. And being busy is not the same as being productive. And I got to tell you, I live in a tension between being on fire for God and burning out. There's a tension in that. A huge part of my divine cooling system is being led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. People who do not sit still can't discern the Spirit over the flesh. Because the Spirit and the flesh can often want the same thing. We can want the church to, to grow larger, but the Spirit does it at a speed that you and I can survive. And simplicity is developed in stillness. So let's go to an early so what. See, the simple way to avoid burnout is to follow a bit of a cycle. And I think it's a helpful cycle. I'm putting it in the context of a metaphor that'll make it memorable for you. It's simply the metaphor of stop, drop, and roll. Ever heard that before? Right. You stop, drop, and roll when you're on what? Fire. If you keep running, what happens? You stay on fire, it gets worse. All right, so just put the fire out. You, to not burn out, you stop and drop and roll. And, and following Jesus, look, is not about being comfortable. It's about being intentional. And if we're going to be relevant and effective and impactful, meaningful, we're going to have heat. So it's not about eliminating heat, but managing it uh, to avoid burnout. And, because a life of relevance will always bring heat and in, in the, in the challenge of complexity. So, all the more reason to simplify. So here's the first thing. First thing is to stop. To stop and focus. Focus on what's most important. To focus on Jesus. To sit at his feet. He lived a life that was life to the full, not life to the cluttered. And he can give you rest if you cry out to him. Scripture tells us in Isaiah, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One says, Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You are uniquely you, no matter who you are, no matter your current relationship with Jesus or, or where you stand in relationship to God, your white hot why is connected to him and his resurrection power. And you need to look to him to mend your heart, to heal your brokenness, to renew your strength, and to cool the heat. So stop and focus. 
that starts with a prayer that's on the back of your note guide. If you've never had a conversation with Jesus that would make Jesus, allow him to be your Lord and Savior, that's on the back. And you can have that moment today. Martha had chosen worry and busyness over resting and listening in the presence of Jesus. And that set her up for failure. But Jesus said, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, only just one. Oswald Chambers says this, I like it. He says, God never tells us to give up things just for the sake of giving them up, but he tells us to give them up for the sake of the only thing worth having, namely life with himself. The first step in avoiding that burnout is to stop and focus. To stop and focus. The next one is to drop, right? Drop what's not. Drop what's not, what's not connected to your why. All the what's that are on the outside that really don't connect to your why. This is the step about removing clutter. It's, it's easy to say yes, but it's wisdom that involves saying no. And we need to learn to say no and find margin and time with family and time with God. Drop the disconnected things. What we say no to determines what we can say yes to. And John Maxwell, he has a great line. He says, learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. That's great wisdom. And many of our problems, our heat in life, stem from saying yes too quickly to, uh, and not saying no soon enough. Now again, we can't say no to everything. And there are things that we simply just have to do in life. We have to eat, we have to work, we have to care for our family. And, but the deal is it's easy to cut out the most important things, the better things. It's easy to cut out spiritual things, to cut out service of others, to preserve ourselves. But we need to strive to say yes to the important stuff, the better things that which has a ripple into eternity. And our white-hot why is never selfish. It's always selfless. Jesus is the one who says, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Martha gave herself a heavier burden than Jesus wanted. And we've all seen family members do that, rush around at the holidays trying to take care of people, get things set, get food. Those are all good and wonderful things, but it costs them. They're not in conversations. They miss the game. And, and the reality is it happens in life, and we don't stop and focus, and we don't drop the things that we shouldn't be doing or prioritize in the right way. Until we stop and drop, we can't have a healthy balance, can't begin to find that. But once we do, then we can step into the last one, which is to roll, and roll like Jesus. <laughs> you ever heard the statement, that's how I roll? What's that mean? Like, that's how I live, right? So we want to live like Jesus. We want to follow his example. In Colossians, we even read this. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is choosing better. Jesus modeled the tension of being passionate and committed in this world and, and, and on fire, but not burning up. And we need to follow his example to choose what's better. Mary chose what was better, and it would not be taken from her. And so when you feel the heat and you feel the frenzy of life, do these things. Stop, drop, and roll. Getting more done means there will be that we live with heat. It means that we need to figure out how to put cooling systems into place where everything blows up. Things that relieve the pressure, that dissipate the heat, that channel criticism. Martha didn't have that, so she couldn't stand the heat in the kitchen any longer. And she blew up. And no one drifts into health. No one drifts into excellence. So, so we need to stop and drop and roll. 
And here's what I want to do. Here's how we're going to end our time together. I'm going to finish by taking a few minutes to, to go live at each location for some, some practical interaction with some others who have personally struggled in this area. And I would like to invite here at Rock Island two friends to join me up on the platform and invite you to welcome them as they come. All right, they're both good looking. I'm more attracted to one than the other. Choose wisely. <laughs> Thank you uh, for joining me. Um, Justin, you're a member of the ministry team here. You're both ministry leaders. Justin, you're on the team here. And Beth, you're part of the family here. But you actually serve on the team at our denominational headquarters as, as uh, staff and work remotely. And uh, we're friends. Yeah. So... Um, Justin, you kicked off this series. It did, really did a, did a great job, brother. I'm really proud of you for kicking off the way you did and how you taught us uh, last week. And even though you taught us about the white hot why, you've actually, in that journey of your life, you've struggled with burnout. Can you just give us a little bit of information about that? Yeah, in fact, I could probably teach a whole lot about how to get burnout. Some of you have been there, done that. But uh, the truth is, I've spent a good portion of my life uh, chasing after good things, but not great things. Uh, and some of that came out of me not really knowing my white hot why or knowing my white hot why, but getting distracted by a number of other things. There were really good things, and I just, quite frankly, couldn't say no. Um, and so what would happen is from the moment I'd get up until the moment I'd go to bed, I would just run, 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 and I'd find myself uh, burn out. Um, I remember getting up in the morning and not wanting to get out of bed, just saying, I'm done. I want to be done with ministry. I want to be done living here. I want to be done uh, with these people. And that's happened consistently over the course of my journey in life. And so um, I just, last week when you're talking about your white hot why, for me, it's been a journey for me to embrace that, but not only to embrace it, but to then align my life, my what's to match that. And, and some of that, Sean, you mentioned stop what doesn't align to the why. Uh, to drop the things that, that don't matter, um, that aren't as important, that aren't connected. And, and that's been a journey for me that I have to be honest, I've failed at more than I have succeeded. And thankfully, I'm on a journey um, to, to hopefully get out of that. But um, that's kind of been part of my story and part of my journey. I think that, uh, I've said this before, I think ministry asks for everything we have to give and then asks for more. I don't think that's the only vocation that does that, the only area of life. I think life actually can feel that way. It takes everything we have to give and then ask for more. And it's in that context that we can really struggle and, and move into burnout. And Beth, I know that uh, you've been in, a leader in ministry for more than 10 years, and you've had your own journey in burnout, and you've watched me crash and burn in that as well. Uh, what would be some of your insights into uh, what that kind of looks like to journey in, in that season? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how great it is to be asked to come up here because you're some kind of expert on burnout. But, um, just an example. I'll take it. I'll take just an it. example, it's not okay. an expert. It's just right, an example. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the one of the things about burnout is that we can kid ourselves and we can kind of tell ourselves, like, well, burnout just affects, it's just professionally. It's just affecting, um, I'm emotionally burnt out, I'm fried, or I'm burnt out on my family and those relationships. But the reality is, as we are created in the image of God, body, mind, and spirit, when we experience burnout, it, it affects everything. And so it can, it can be primarily experienced professionally in your work, but the reality is that you're paying a price then for that burnout in your emotional capacity, your mental capacity, certainly in your relationship with God relationally. 
Um, one of the things that happened to me, I was experiencing burnout a few years ago, and I heard Sarah Groves say this, and it just really resonated with me. And so if you are here and you, you know that you're, you're burnt out or you're on the precipice of that, I want to encourage you with this truth. At the end of yourself, you will experience the greatness of God. And that was a gift for me because I was a leader in ministry and I was burnt out and I was at this conference and I was feeling, I was feeling ashamed that I was burnt out. Like, oh my gosh, who, what the heck is wrong with me? Um, I am a servant of the Lord and I'm experiencing burnout, being burnt out. And, and I heard her say those words and the Lord just said to me, I am trying to liberate you to find me in a completely new way. And so if you are experiencing burnout or know that you're just right there, look at this as a gift from God to get your attention, to find him and to find his purpose for you. Because when you are anchored to him and he is the fuel that is the reason why you get up and you go to work, no matter what you do, that is the reason why you pour into your children, why you, why you live in light of eternity, when, you're, when your vision is calibrated in that way, it, it, is, it is this incredible gift that will keep you from ever being burnt out again. That's good stuff. I, uh, I think that there is this tension that I mentioned, the, the trick of staying on fire for God, but, but not burning up or burning out. And uh, I'd just love to hear what God has taught you about living in that tension, maybe, maybe even how it ripples into the cooling systems that you've had to discover or implement to, to navigate that tension. Yeah, um, Philippians 2 talks about uh, being poured out like a drink offering. And um, it's this concept of sacrifice, right? And so one of the things that can happen is when we look at our life and we say, okay, you know, God, I know that you are giving me my life to spend. And so you're in this, in this posture of I want to spend myself for you for the things that matter in light of eternity. The reality is that then we live in that tension, right, of to pour ourselves out, we have to have something to pour out. And one of the things that we can do is when we start to get filled up, we can want to hoard that and keep that because we're like, oh, no, I, I got to keep something back because I'm, I'm being asked to be poured out. And I have found this crazy thing that happens when we are spending ourselves in our white hot wife for the things that matter in light of the kingdom is that when we just pour ourselves out like a drink offering, sometimes it's in things that can seem really hard and like they should totally drain us. And in the worldly sense, they do drain us. But there's this spiritual economy thing that happens where God uses that very thing to fill us back up. And so I have found in some of the, the hardest moments of allowing the Lord to pour myself out, that that is when he fills me up the most. And so it, it, it's just this crazy thing. It is, it's a tension that we live in, but I, I think that as we do that and see it happen, then we trust that a little bit more and we trust his hand to be our loving father to pour us out as he pleases. And I think for me, when I read Jesus, when he says, um, if, you um, if, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I remember wrestling with that. It was like, what does that mean, right? I can't get up any earlier. I, I tell myself I can't get up and get in the word. And so I began to just wrestle with, what does it mean to abide with you, Lord? And what I began to realize is that abiding with him for me could be turning off the radio in the car and just saying, Lord Jesus, speak to me. It could be me putting on my headphones and going for a jog or working out at the gym 
or it could be simply me uh, pouring a cup of coffee and just sitting in the stillness looking out the window. And I began to realize that if I could find the quiet moments to just stop and to invite Jesus into what sometimes I was already doing, that he would fill me up. And then I would be able to press on through that day. And so I think for me, what's been most helpful is to invite Jesus into some of the things I'm already doing. Things that are taking care of, right? We want to take care of our bodies. We want to take care of, you know, our, our family. We want to do some of those things. But I began to invite Jesus into the things that I was already doing and realize that as I would do that, that he would fill me up. And then I would find myself going long stretches where, man, this is great. You know, I felt filled up and fulfilled. I was chasing after the right things. And I could hear the Holy Spirit whisper and tell me the things that I should be saying no to. And so it's kind of where the rubber hit the road for me when I read that scripture. And then how do I live that out? And I've, I've seen God do that in me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to lead apart from prayer. And so that stillness reality is my calibrating thing like that. I get alone in stillness with him because if I don't do that, then the external things start to define my internal realities. And I need, I need that stillness in my life. Otherwise, I start to get all churned up and I, don't, I can't handle the heat and it starts to impact people around me. Uh, so, hey, listen, we wanted to have this conversation because we just recognize the reality of it. Um, and, we, and this whole series is intentionally designed to, to get to practical things that we deal with. And we do have a choice of whether we're going to stop and focus on Jesus, we're going to drop the things that don't connect to our why, and whether we're truly going to live like him, we're going to roll like him. And, and as you have processed that, I, I, I want to ask you a question that you can take from here and have the conversation with him on your own. But I wonder what needs to change in your calendar so you can choose better things. Martha didn't choose the better things, Mary did. But I wonder what you need to change in your calendar so you will choose the better things as you stop and focus, as you drop what's not, or as you roll like Jesus. The reality is we can't just drop everything that we don't want to do. There are some things we actually have to do. There's stuff that needs to get done. People need fed. People need cared for. But we, we can't even sit in stillness every day. I'll put that out there all day long. But you can walk slow enough with the right radiators that you develop true intimacy with him and you live a, mar a life marked by simplicity rather than complexity because few things are needed, indeed only one. But that's a choice. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that, to, that we can be a church family and we can talk and we can dig into your word and, and we can process what it means and wrestle with what it means and, and we can position um, each other side by side to engage the world meaningfully. And Lord, when we do that, when the heat comes, when the complexities of life settle in, I pray that you would help us to stop and focus, to drop what's not connected to our white hot why that you've given us. And also, Lord, to just roll like you, follow your example. You beautifully modeled for us how we should live. You faced so many complexities. You, there was so much heat in your life but you knew how to sit in stillness before the Father. And Jesus, I thank you for that. And I thank you that through you we can have life and life to the full. So I pray as my brothers and sisters take some time even now to process what needs to change, maybe even have a conversation with you now about what needs to change in their calendar so they can choose better things. I pray you'd speak. I pray this in the name of your Son, in the name of our Savior. And everybody said, amen.